Well, hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of the MotoGP podcast, Last on the Breaks. We are here live in Termaster Rio Hondo on a bit of a different Friday of a Grand Prix weekend. I'm Fran Wild, and joining me on co-hosting duties is Elliot York. Um, how are you, Elliot? And would you like to reveal today's guest to all of those joining the stream and of course our listeners later next week? Yeah, all good, Fran. Not exactly how we expected our Friday to be going, is it? But uh, making the best of a bad situation. Um, yeah, guest today, Australia's very own reigning Moto2 world champion, Remy Gardner. So very exciting for listeners and fans to be uh, hearing from Remy. Always great to talk to Remy, isn't it? Um, we're wel- welcoming him in very soon. Um, but yeah, how are you, Fran? How's things at the circuit? I am okay. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty weird vibe. It's like a second (laughs) Thursday, but nice and chilled at the moment. Everyone just patient. And we've got so many fan activities as well for those who were already here in Argentina, ready to come to the track today. Got fan zone, lots of different things. And of course, a lot of live content for those joining us today as well throughout Friday, including this special one-off podcast with Remy. Shall we, what should we do? Should we welcome the, yes, I was going to say, this is the moment. (laughs) Uh, We'll welcome uh, our Australian guest. Hi, Remy. Thank you so much on what could have potentially been a bit of a more relaxed day off for coming and joining us and talking to us on the internet. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, it's good to be here. Um, Definitely a bit more of a relaxing Friday than usual, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. Um, You know, it gives us the opportunity to do stuff like this. My pleasure. (laughs) I like that and and said with zero sarcasm as well. Uh, Thanks for joining us. So obviously we, me and Matt Dunn spoke to you on the podcast before a couple of years ago now, if not a bit longer. Uh, And we covered a few topics there. We're not going to dive right into the backstory of, you know, tell us when you first started riding a bike. But we thought now, of course, you've made it to the premier class. As Elliot said in the intro, you're the reigning Moto2 world champion as well. Things have changed quite a lot for you since we last spoke to you. So first of all, the easy classic question, how is it being a MotoGP rider, not only riding the bike, which is obviously so much faster, pretty different beast, but also having to do things like this and uh, live content with us and just the kind of that step up and being part of the premier class? Yeah, well, uh, to start off, I mean, the bike is is pretty gnarly, um, <laughs> you know, even with two races in and you know, it still uh, still blows my mind how fast they are. But uh, yeah, for sure, every every time, every weekend that I get back on the bike, you know, it's uh, it's a bit more uh, normal, let's say. But uh, I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever, you know, really get used to how fast these things are. Um, they're pretty they're pretty insane. But uh, ah, it's pretty cool. You know, um, everything's on another level. Uh, the tires, brakes, and electronics, and engine power, everything. You know, so um, it's it's quite mind blowing, but uh, yeah, um, you know, step by step, I'm learning it, so which is good. But uh, you know, just uh, we're taking it step by step at the moment. How big is the jump, Remy? I know you get asked the question a lot at the start of the season during pre-season, but just to make the listeners and watchers understand a little bit more, just how big the step up to Moto Two to Moto GP is. Obviously, it's a faster and bigger bike, but there's so much more to that, as you mentioned, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, the Moto2 bike is, you know, it's not a slow bike, you know, it's actually one of the quickest bikes in the world. And uh, it's really just got nothing to do with what a GP bike is. It's so much different. And uh, power-wise, and like I said before, electronic-wise, it's 
you know, insane the amount of controls that we have and and sensors that are on the bike. And I, I think there's, there's you know sixty plus sensors um, that are managing everything. Um, so in that sense, the electronics are, are off, you know, f from another world. Um, the brakes as well. Uh, we didn't have carbon brakes in Moto Two, so um, the stopping power is just, you know, again crazy. And uh, honestly, we're we're braking nearly where we would on the Moto Two bike at, you know, doing 100 kilometers an hour faster sometimes, which is for me mind-boggling. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, it takes it takes a while to get used to. <laughs> I feel like when you put it like that, it gives you a much better idea for those who don't ride or who have only ridden one two fives very slowly. Um, <laughs> that gives you a really better impression of truly the difference when you're going that much quicker, but just breaking in the same place. Um, but I should also say, everyone who is joining us on Twitch, you can ask Remy things in the Twitch chat as well. And if we like your questions, and there's some good ones, we'll try and ask him those. Um, if you're listening on audio, you can always ask with the MotoGP uh, hashtag, but, you know, might be a bit late by then. Um, but um, So, yeah, obviously, like you said, you reign in Moto2 World Champion, make that big step. There is something a little bit unique or kind of extra interesting as well with you and Raul, who are now obviously both at Tech3. Last year, you were fighting for the title. How is that? Because we know you had a very good relationship for most of last season. Few words exchanged around Valencia, as you'd expect when it reaches crunch time and everyone obviously wants to win. Um, now, how is it working with him in MotoGP? Do you think it's helped keep that kind of competition between you two to push yourselves? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we started off the, off the season, you know, quite, uh, quite friendly, of course. And, you know, I think it never really got ugly let's say um you know i think we all always had you know had respect for each other and and we just tried to win you know win the battle out on track and uh of course it got tense towards the end that's for sure you know like uh it, it would you know it's normal and uh especially being in this you know same team sharing the box it's it's tense it was the last three races or you know um you could cut the tension with, with a knife so but uh, it never got ugly, and and uh, and when it was over, it was all it was finished. You know that was it. Um, and honestly, yeah, I mean, we're back to you know being good mates, and uh, it's it's good. And and like you said, it's good having, you know, um, someone you know fast next to you to just keep you on your toes all the time. And and I felt like we learn a lot from each other. Um, you know, he has a certain style, I have a certain style, and. And I think we can, you know, always take a take a, a leaf out of each other's page, you know, um, depending on the corner and 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 the track. But uh, yeah, there's always for me something to learn from Raúl, and and I think it, him the same. And and I think that's why, you know, last year especially we were so fast because we were just, you know, um, pushing each other all the time. And and uh, and I think that's why we were so really unstoppable last year. And you know, I think it's good that. You know, I have him in the team this year to, to keep that same uh, continuity, let's say, and and uh, hopefully keep me on my toes this year at the GP bike. Like you say, you were in Stoppel last year, both of you finishing the title miles ahead of um, third place. What's it like then going from, of course, Moto2 to MotoGP, but changing the mindset? Because obviously you were challenging for wins and podiums pretty much every race last year, but now maybe a couple of points is a very good result in MotoGP. What's the mindset change like? Is it difficult to sort of get used to that? 
yeah, it's definitely uh, it's a different challenge now. Um, like you said, any points is you know a good Sunday for us now. Um, yeah, I mean, what you know, what you can't do is come in expecting the world. Obviously, um, it's a new class, it's a new bike, and you know we need time to to learn everything. And uh, and the, and the level in in MotoGP at the moment is just you know from another world. You know, it's probably one of the toughest and, and tightest years just you know yet. So yeah, um, I think you know you would just have to take it as it comes and and. And keep working, and you know, not get too, you know, disheartened. You know, if if it doesn't happen, you know, on a Sunday, or, you know, if we're not in the points, you know, which for me, you just kind of have to keep calm, learn from, you know, what you need to improve on from the mistakes you made, and and hopefully, you know, use those as building blocks to go forward. But uh, it's yeah, it's a it's a bit of a different mindset, that's for sure. It's more, you know, uh, keep your head down, work, and and try to keep positive, even though you know you're at you're not at the pointy end of the of the of the paddock but it's okay just gotta take it step by step it's a long year lots of races so keep going it is our most races ever and you were the first mm-hmm. rookie to score a point i think by almost nothing was it like a few thousandths against darren over the line in qatar in the end but you managed that already you were the first one like you said to score that point and you also started this season with that injury as well and still feeling the effects of that especially in testing you said it was still a bit painful do you feel now physically at least you're kind of getting to where it's not bothering you too much and you're able to focus more on just the bike and the weekend rather than thinking too much about that? Yeah, um, the testing was really tough for me. Uh, yeah, for the for the wrist. I think I was on the bike maybe, uh, I'm going to say 13, 14 days after my operation. So, um, yeah, unfortunately the wrist is one of the worst things to break. It's the uh, the thing that takes, you know, most of the brunt force on the bike so uh yeah um honestly the recovery has been slower than expected um in qatar i was still feeling pain and especially after the quality laps um it was really sore um you know because we get a new tire in the forces are just you know exponentially higher everywhere and uh yeah it was quite sore after quality i gotta say in indonesia it made a small step forward um Pain-wise, let's say, uh, but it's still still feeling it, and, and here I'm still still feeling it. it. Kind of feels a bit like Indonesia. So, unfortunately, I think it's going to be one of those injuries that go on for a while. You know, that are a little bit niggly, and uh, I've had them before. And uh, in the end, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a good six months before it's uh, back to perfect. But you know, I can still ride. Not too bad at the moment, and uh, I think I'm just getting used to the pain, and <laughs> it's not it's not not annoying me too much anymore. We've had a question from Aki789. He says, hey, Remy, what would you consider a good result here in Termas? Good luck on Sunday. Of course, it's the uh, round where you picked up your first Grand Prix podium in 2018, I think, if, if that's right. Um, so, yeah, 19. what would you consider a, 2019? What would you consider a good result here? Uh, I think, yeah, like I said before, points. Um, you know, if we can be in the points, I think that'd be a really good result. Um, like he stated before, you know, it's the place where I got my first ever podium. So good memories here. Um, I do enjoy this place a lot. It's a very, uh, it's a very fun track, and uh, yeah, pretty much every bike I jump on here, I'm, I'm, I'm decently fast. So let's, uh, let's hope that's the same with the GP bike. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we definitely hope it is the same with the GP bike. And like you said, you have had some success here already. And when I was writing the previews for this event, it's actually crazy how many people on the MotoGP grid do not have a lot of experience here. Even back to the rookie intake of Brad Binder and Alex Marquez, they've never ridden here on a MotoGP bike. Do you think that'll make a bit of a difference this weekend? Yeah, um, I've, you know, some people have said that to me, but uh, in the end, everyone's fast. You know, everyone's extremely talented, and and uh, and the guys that have been riding the GP bikes understand how to get the most out of them. So, I'm sure it's just going to be as tough as usual, to be honest, because uh, that was kind of everyone's mindset for Indonesia. But uh, yeah, it was still it was still tough in Indonesia. <laughs> We've had another question, Remy, from Cautious Hale One Four Two. Do you find your riding lines are much different on the MotoGP bike compared to the Moto2 bikes? Good luck this season, um, they say as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very different actually. Um, but the Moto2 is kind of a let's say a cross between the Moto3 uh, and a big bike line, um, but the GP bike is really really different. Um, you know, there's just if you if you if you do hit a motor two line, uh, you just you won't be able to get the traction you need to to drive out of the corners. Um, they just have so much power that you need to stand the bike up as quick as possible, and that really ma means making a a very sharp V out of out of the corners. Um, so yeah, it's very different lines, but uh, I quite enjoy it. It's a bit more a bit more fun for me, I think, uh, that that style of riding, let's say. Well, that's good at least then. Even if you're feeling the pain a little bit still, you've got a bit more fun getting the power down there. Um, ooh, I don't know if you can hear in the background now a lot of bikes revving. I think you have it in the background for you as well, Remy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that distracted me quite a lot. Classic Argentina. Um, but no, um, what we were going to talk about as well, um, until we get another couple of questions um, live on Twitch, um, you... When you spoke to me and Matt Dunn before a few seasons ago, we talked about that huge crash that you'd had when you were in Moto2. And you had a few injuries, like you said, like getting used to the pain, you say it was like a bit of a dark grimace. But unfortunately, you have had a few injuries and also some incredible performances where you've ridden through the pain barrier. But you said at the time you wondered, like, should I just stop this? And what am I, you know, going to can I really do this again and come back from it? Obviously, you have. You've taken a world championship. You're now a Moto2 world champion forever. It's in the history books. Now you're in MotoGP. How does it feel now, looking back on that time from where you are, knowing that you've managed to make all of this happen and come back from it so well? Yeah. Um, you know, I think all the all those hard times and, and uh, you know, all those broken bones and pain and, and tough days, you know, tough Sundays, and tough qualifying, and, uh, you know, like you said, some quite dark years. But, uh, you know, I think all, in the end, it's all lessons, you know, and it's all uh, experience that, you know, maybe I had to go through to, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, become a world champion. Um, for sure, I think it's, you know, developed me as a person and how I, you know, um, take on difficult situations. Um, and deal with pressure and, and, and pain, like you said, and, and like this year, you know, I'm trying to, you know, more or less managing with the, with the wrist and the pain and, and, uh, and in the end, you know, we still managed to score a point in Qatar, even with a, even with a sore wrist. So yeah, it's not, it's not a too big deal for me, um, at, at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of riding through it. And like I said, I think I've, I've learned from the past, but yeah, it's, 
yeah, if you look really where I've come from, it's uh, it's a bit of a miracle story. To to be honest, that I did manage to to score the world championship, but um, but yeah, kind of proud, let's say. <laughs> So we've had another question from Hugh J. Noose 24. I hope I've said that right. Um, they <laughs> want to know how strict is a MotoGP training program? Obviously, you guys are like Olympic athletes these days. It's very different to what it was maybe 15, 20 years ago and further back. Um, and they also say, are you allowed to have a party sometimes? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, me personally, I'm not... Uh, too strict on the uh, <laughs> training program, let's say. <laughs> um, Do you think it's made a difference for you? Because you've always been a little bit bigger, taller, and like a bit more built than a lot of guys that are on the MotoGP grid, and especially on the Moto2 bikes. Do you think that has helped you now? Do you feel like you fit a bit better in the MotoGP class and you've got a bit more of an advantage from that instead of it always being something that you're trying to compensate for? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely got, you know, a bit, bit of a bigger, um, you know, upper body structure, really just naturally, to be honest. Um, I'm not going to lie, I've probably haven't been to a gym in maybe six years. You know, I haven't been pushing weights, yeah, for a long, long time. So, um, I do train, I do ride a lot, and, uh, you know, I'm probably, in the winter, you know, probably, I don't know, four or five times a week on, on the bike, um, whether it's trials or... Motocross, I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, trials or dirt track or supermoto or enduro, um, you know, trying to you know mix it up a bit. Um, that's for sure. I, you know, I do get on the bike a lot, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not one to go out and do 300 kilometers on a bicycle. Let's say, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. And and regarding yeah, gym and strength wise, you know, I kind of just get that naturally, and just from riding, you know, um, just gives me pretty much what I need. Uh, I was expecting to maybe have to do something with the GP bike, but for now it seems okay, to be honest. But uh, yeah, let's see uh, when we get to a bit more physical track how it is, but um, at the moment it's okay. And uh, and parties, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're allowed to party <laughs> when we want. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge partier, but when I do party, I, I go for it. But that, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I prefer to just sit back with a few friends at a beer to be honest <laughs> yeah don't we all sometimes it's i mean after a, for you guys it's a lot harder than it's like you're riding the bike and racing so i can imagine the amount of calories you burn on a well throughout a weekend it's almost like if you have a few beers on a sunday night or a monday or whatever it's not really doesn't really affect you too much because you're going to train it off by cycling during the week or whatever you do and then obviously at the next GP so as long as you're not partying every day I think it, it doesn't matter too much does it? No exactly I mean it's uh, after a good result you know usually usually it's just pretty, we have a pretty big party on Sunday night <laughs> um, and yeah I mean diet wise I don't really follow too much of a diet anyway just trying not to eat complete shit you know and just you know <laughs> more or less behave and and uh and yeah, and and like you said, if you know, if I'm riding or whatever, and and keeping fit and keeping active, yeah, like you said, you pretty much burn it all off anyway. 
I enjoy the basically your definition of murder GP training life is just like more or less behave. Um, <laughs> that's perfect. Okay, Romy, I think we will let you go now because uh, I think you uh, do have to go and uh, have lunch and get ready for whatever else we've got planned for you today. I think you've got a TV interview. We've got fan zone stuff. Everyone's going to, to uh, see the fans as well. Thank you so much for joining us. One final question before you go. We had a poll running in the Twitch chat of who will be leading the championship after the America's GP. Who do you okay. think it might be after the next two races? Who's leading it now? Now it's Bastianini by two points ahead of Binder. And then I think Fabio, uh, Miguel, and not sure who's next. Uh... I'm going to say Binder, KTM squad. No. <laughs> as soon as, soon as I said that, I was like, well, I think I can look at Okay, right. Thank you so much, Remy. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, have a good day. Enjoy this strange Friday and uh, hopefully see you yeah. again soon. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, yeah cheers, guys. Thanks, Remy. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, there you go then. So a little bit biased answer from KTM. Uh, yeah. of course that it will be a ktm um but what do we think elliot first of all it was nice to have remy on wasn't it like i said it's been a while since we've had him on a podcast or done like a sort of a deeper dive chat and yeah a lot's changed since he was struggling to get that first win and some more moto 2 podiums yeah i think if you'd have said three years ago maybe even two years ago before he joined red bull ktm io that he'd be a world champion and moving up to MotoGP, a lot of people might have acted surprised. Um, but he's always had that promise, hasn't he? Especially in the latter two years with the SAG team, he showed some promise. And then obviously 2021 with um, the IO squad alongside Raul Fernandez was, yeah, pretty mind-blowing, to be honest. Almost perfect. Um, obviously, when and won the title, so you can say it was a perfect season. Um, so, yeah, great to talk to Remy and let's hope the rookies can start to edge their way towards the top 10 and maybe even more. But it's, it's ridiculously hard for them nowadays, isn't it? Because like Remy touched upon, it's the most competitive field we've ever seen. A couple of attempts here and there and you could be dropping about 10 places. So you've got you to gotta feel sorry for the likes of Remy and the rookies. It's It's incredible. It is pretty crazy, isn't it? It's, I think it's, I, I was writing something before earlier on, I think it was a golden era of close competition, I always refer to it as. But genuinely, it's incredible. When you look at what the gaps used to be like, you know, you'd be six seconds off the win in second, uh, and now you're like struggling to get into the top 10 um, after however many hundred and something kilometers of a racetrack. It's pretty <laughs> incredible. But yeah, like we said, Remy has scored that point already. Darren Binder took the first rookie top 10, didn't he, in uh, Indonesia? Uh, no thanks to a bit of an elbow uh, nudge from uh, Remy's tip for the title lead after America's Brad Binder. Uh, but going back to that poll then, in the chat, we had 67% Quartararo, 17% Bastianini and 17% Oliveira. What do you make of that? Mm. And who do you think will be leading the championship after, after the <laughs> America's GP? <laughs> Million dollar question that is, isn't it? Um there's about, I think there's 10 Probably riders more. split by 10 points. Um, I'm, well, I, I was about to say, I wouldn't say 
Fabio necessarily because of Cota. Um, but he did finish second there last year. But I think this year they've got a little bit more of a speed deficit than they did um, in 2021. Um, I, that's, yeah, great question. I, I'd probably say Brad Binder. <laughs> I like how well Bassini. prepared you are with your answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go Brad Binder. I'll agree with Remy. I think KTM are looking really strong. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go Brad Binder. What do you reckon? I, I would be hard-pressed to disagree at the moment because, obviously, Bastianini, he's got to ride the bike here and at Kota with a lot less experience than some of the others. Yeah. Like you say, Yamaha top speed deficit, how will that play into it? I think, as well, we've seen Alex Rins as the only other rider other than Marquez to have won at Kota. That's probably, I don't know, could be an interesting one as well. But there's there's so many contenders. And like you say, okay, Bastianini's still leading the championship. It's by two points, which doesn't sound like much. But then when you look a little bit further down the table, even with just that win in Indonesia, I think Oliveira moved up 16 places in one day. It's still so close, obviously, early in the season. Maximum of 50 points have been given out so far. But still, it's been such up and down. I don't know who we can say. But at the moment, certainly KTM looking super strong and with a little bit lower grip track here we'll have to see how the cookie crumbles and of course without this weekend confirmed for certain the uh, king of argentina uh, more times than anyone else mark marquez so it will be an interesting weekend won't it do you, if you disagree with us and you think uh, we're incredibly wrong please let us know once you listen to this on uh, audio platforms <laughs> of your choice and get in touch yeah be kind but feel free open the debate tell us why we're wrong and by then as well we will probably have seen the argentina gp and we'll know certainly a little bit of what's to come in the next couple of races but yeah it's a bit strange this one isn't it what do we talk about now without having had the race weekend <laughs> um but it's already so many headlines this week with uh, obviously what we've had happening in the paddock. And then Nakagami, we must wish best wishes to him, get well soon, who uh, tested positive for COVID. Then we have uh, Mark Marquez waiting to see when he may be back on track. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's going to be an interesting weekend. But I think the main thing, again, is just going to be that unpredictability, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've not had any track action, but MotoGP in 2022 is the definition of unpredictable because we're sat here on a... Well, Friday evening for me, Friday afternoon, I think, for you guys. Um, we should be getting ready for FP2, but instead we're just watching the flight tracker waiting for a, a plane to land in um, Tucumán, I think it is, or in Argentina anyway. Uh, so, yeah, pretty unprecedented times. But, yeah, once we get track action away this weekend, I think it's going to be incredible because it's, it's almost like a clean slate, isn't it? Because we've not been here for the last couple of years there's a lot of riders who haven't been here on the right uh, on the bikes they're riding um so this weekend was i was really looking forward to it and i'm looking forward to tomorrow and sunday as well so yeah um unpredictable is how i describe the championship at the minute but we knew that was going to be the case anyway didn't we so yeah looking forward to argentina and then yeah hopefully we get um tucker and mark back for the americas gp uh, wishing them both well um, and that just makes it even more unpredictable, doesn't it? So, yeah, all good. 
It does indeed. Yeah, there's so much to look forward to. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Alex Rins could be an interesting one to watch over the next couple of weekends. He's one of the yeah. only riders on the grid who has ridden this track a few times on the same bike. Well, obviously, previous iterations, but with the same factory as he returns now, got experience here and took his first MotoGP podium here. But uh, I was talking to someone from Suzuki in Indonesia. I was like, oh, you know, that looks like it might be a good track for you. I was like, hmm. Not immediately like yes, because it is a lower grip track, which sometimes is a bit more of a challenge for the Hamamatsu factory. But we'll have to see, because I think it seems like there's so much more potential from Suzuki than we've seen so far this season. Um, and obviously, it'd be interesting to see Yamaha as well, because that podium put Fabio right back in the fight at the top of the table, but it was in the wet. However, he looked also looked like the guy to beat in the dry, despite that much more kind of difficult opening weekend to 2022 so i don't know unpredictability is the name of the game but uh yeah we're gonna have to wait and see aren't we yeah exactly we can't really predict anything because we don't know obviously what's going to happen but it's very hard to predict it this year like has <laughs> i like that as a phrase <laughs> <laughs> we can't predict anything because we don't know what's going to happen yes yeah i mean <laughs> yeah come back here for more insight like that um yeah, I mean, Rins is a great one to look out for because, like you say, he's podiumed here in Argentina and obviously won in Austin. So you'd think on paper these two tracks are going to really suit the the Spaniard and Suzuki. But, yeah, who knows? It's This is the great thing about our sport, isn't it? It's not – we can't really say with confidence who's going to be on the podium this weekend because we could get that completely wrong. The podium from Indonesia, they might – barely scrape top 10s or top 6s this weekend. It's just how it is, and that's why we love this sport so much, isn't it? So, yeah, looking forward to track action getting underway tomorrow and Sunday for sure. It's going to be a busy one for sure. Uh, great for the fans, especially Saturday with all that um, action. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. And uh, yeah, it will be a very long Saturday. If you are with us on Twitch now, please join us for all of that on Saturday. And if you are listening on the audio platform of your choice, thank you very much. Like we said, you can also get in touch with us with the hashtag MotoGP podcast. Uh, once you've listened to the episode, let us know what you think, anything you want to add. Who do you want us to talk to in future? This one's been a bit of a different one, and Remy was gracious enough to give us a little chunk of his day today. But who do you want to hear from? Who haven't we spoken to? Let us know and we will do our best throughout 2022 to bring more guests live on Twitch and then across podcast platforms. But I think for today, like we say, on this extra special episode, that's pretty much uh, all we can uh, go through at the moment. Thanks to everyone who joined us and thanks to everyone who asked a question and who voted in the poll. Uh, get in touch with us. Thank you very much for joining us. And I think that's uh, ciao for now from Termas de Rio Hondo.